What's up, everybody? Welcome to our brand spanking new episode of A Yank and a Swede, a Premier League podcast. I'm your Swede, Sebastian Noren, with me, your Yank, Elliot Niblock. And uh, it's deadline day. Deadline day has come and passed. And we're going to talk about some of the deals that got done here, as well as take a look ahead at match week 25 in the Premier League. As the race for fourth is heating up quite a lot, which is very good for some, less good for some others. But we'll we'll get into that first and foremost. Good though, from a neutral point of view. Good from yes, a neutral point of view. Exactly. First and foremost, those deadline day, a um, lot of late deals, which was uh, kind of interesting to see. So I'm glad we. We decided to wait to record until after the deadline has passed. Uh, for you, Elliot, Denis Suarez coming in on loan to Arsenal from Barcelona. Yeah, and this is a move that has been pipped for a while. Uh, I mean, it wasn't you know wasn't a huge shock to anyone, even though it was kind of pushed over the line at the very last minute. Um, I think this is a great move for Arsenal, to be honest. Uh, I that that is the you know flip side of the coin, and I'll turn it over and scratch the head off like Two Face in a moment. Uh, but this deal, in and of itself, is excellent, right? We've seen tons of players come out of Barcelona who just like struggle to break in to that phenomenally talented squad to have success elsewhere. Uh, we've seen a lot of mid-season transfers come out of Spain and into North London that have had success. Uh, most notably, probably Nacho Monreal. Um, th- this is a, a deal that isn't going to light the world on fire. But uh, the real key is that we paid £2 million for this player. Now, that is a loan fee. It will increase to £18 million if we choose to trigger the option to buy in the summer. And, of course, we're paying his wages. But this is exactly the kind of deal that Arsenal could do. They did it. I hope that he kicks on. But you know what? The worst case scenario is that we send him back. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen some. I haven't. It's hard to be familiar with a player who hasn't played much. You know, it's hard to have faith in the match fitness of a player who hasn't pe- played much also. But from what I've seen of Denis Suarez, yeah, he's got quality. Can he translate that quality into the Premier League? If he's getting regular playing time, uh, we'll see. But from a club with top four aspirations like Arsenal's perspective, a two million pound wager on that, great piece of business. Yeah, and he has the previous knowledge from the game in England. Used to be a part of the youth setup at Manchester City. So he's no stranger to life in England, at least. Yeah, and, and he will uh, travel to the Etihad perhaps this weekend. Yeah, and he's also played under Unai Emery before as he was on loan at Sevilla during the 2014-15 season where they won the Europa League together. So uh, Yeah, and he was thrilled, clearly, to be reunited with Emery, which I think is a great thing for the locker room as well. Yeah, that's a very good sign. Very good sign you want players who wants to come and play for the manager. So a bit of a versatile player, too. Can play a lot of positions in the attacking third. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a good piece of business for you guys. And like you said, worst-case scenario, you pay $2 million in his wages until the summer, and then you're like, okay, well, it didn't work out. 
Yeah, and so I, however, do have to briefly flip the coin over before we move on to other transfers. This is great. I love the Denise Suarez deal. Where are the defenders? Where's Where Gary is our Cahill? defense? Where is Gary Cahill? And, you know, I, I've vacillated on that. But I, like a month ago even, I said on this podcast that he's not going to light the world on fire, but he's an, he is a useful squad player. And you know what we need in our squad? They are center halves. That is what we need. We don't have them. And I am I, – it, it, it baffles me. It absolutely baffles me. And maybe, hopefully, Mavropanos will be the next Carlos Puyol. Like maybe that's what Emery and the rest of the back of house at Arsenal see in him. But as happy as I am with maybe not necessarily the intrinsic quality of the player himself because I don't know enough about it to speak about that, but – the details of the deal for Denis Suarez, I think that's great. That's great moving forward. What have we done at the back? Absolutely nothing. What do we have at the back? Extremely little. How are we going to move forward challenging for top four and the Europa League? I have no clue. And hopefully somebody at Arsenal Football Club does, but I don't. And I am as excited as I am about Suarez. I'm worried about that at the back. Yeah, I mean, your best hope here is that you have sort of a, uh, you know, hidden gem in the uh, 123 squad or something. Well, but that's the thing is that, again, Mavropanos, I think that he can be he can be a quality, a premier league quality center half. But I don't think he's that yet. Again, small sample size. Not sure. But he's coming back from injury. Like, And, and I was saying this to a good friend of mine the other day that if Arsenal have a center-back pairing of Mavropanos and Holding in two years, I think that could be a really solid center-back pairing. But it's not that yet. And even if they were both fit, it's not that yet. But Holding is out for the season. Mavropanos is coming back for the first time this season. Like, it is... It is... It, it, it baffles me. It, just, it absolutely baffles me. And this is certainly not the first transfer window in the last decade that Arsenal fans have been baffled by the moves of their football club. I'm not totally frustrated. We did get somebody in. We need bodies in the squad. You know, with any luck, Suarez could be, I mean, hey, he could be the next Alexis. He could be a fantastic piece of business. You know, Alexis, right, another versatile attacking player who's predominantly on the wing but can play across the front line coming in from Barcelona, struggling to break into the squad at Camp Nou. Yeah, there are parallels there. Granted, of course, Suarez is not Chilean, but rather Spanish himself. But yeah, that could be a great move. And we could look back on this as one of the best transfer windows for Arsenal in the attacking third, but that we didn't, that we failed to, even if we're to trust the press, even attempt to address the back line, I just I don't get it. I no, just don't. Get it. I feel like it's definitely something that needs to be looked at when once we get to the summer. That's for sure. Uh, I think there's a guy named Phil Jones that you should buy. <laughs> um, you know he he's a little rough around the edges, but you know 
now we'll see what happens, but definitely something they should address in the summer. We'll stay in London for now. And, um, you know, if we look over at, at Spurs, they didn't do anything. They the first I read this the first it's Premier like League the, the, the first Premier League team who hasn't done anything through two transfer windows. Uh, excuse me. Did they just build a stadium? They just built a stadium. Is the stadium open yet? No, it's not open yet. No. Are they paying fees to Wembley? A hundred percent, they are. Yes. Yeah. No. I mean, but not even a player in on loan. Nothing. Spur- okay, Spurs have a really strong squad. Even a diehard Arsenal fan like myself has to admit that. But similar to Arsenal, they like they've got injuries. They need cover for the squad. They're not getting any. Uh, what are they going to do as they continue to pay off the stadium? Yeah, it's weird. Uh, Instead, they send out players on loan. So who knows? They, yeah, they have, it, maybe they have a plan. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, I think the I think the plan is to pay off the stadium and cash the checks as much as they can until then, and try to cling to Harry Kane's long term contract. Yeah, yeah. Keeping things all in London right now. Uh, Fulham made two signings. They signed Hovard Nordtveit uh, from Hoffenheim on loan, so they get in a Norwegian defender there, which uh, you know. Could be a good piece of business for them. They also signed Lazar Markovic from Liverpool for an undisclosed fee. Markovic, I never felt like he's got a fair shake at Liverpool. He was loaned out a bunch of times. But this is a player who, when everything is going smoothly, he's a very, very good player. Yeah, well, this is the the biggest question, right? Is that how how do you translate that in your mind when you're on the pitch, right? Because we, we like we get to see the game from well, not ten thousand feet, but from a bird's eye view. And it looks a lot different when you're looking at the pitch while you're on it. And mentally, how is he gonna deal with the fact that he's struggled to break into the squad? with the league leaders pipped to be champions. And now he's going to face an extreme uphill battle against relegation. And that is the kind of challenge that some players will rise to meet. And of course, all of the cottagers will be hoping that he does that, but all the playing time in the world, depending on your disposition can't necessarily undo that I've gone from first to 19th. How, how is he going to deal with that? That's true. And I, I mean, I, I do think he'll like the fact that he'll be more of one of the, the players that they will lean on. I think that he will but like, will that. they though? Yeah. I mean, they've got such a squad and, and we've talked about this a lot on this show, but like with the squad that they have, you know, sure. Look, Mitrovic, Sessegnon, Kamara. Like, these are all names that we expect to be scoring goals regularly in the Premier League. And they're not. And so, yeah, maybe he's going to give them that injection. But he's still competing against some really top-tier talent 
uh, top tier talent that will probably knock on wood from again a cottager's perspective be an exodus should they drop then yeah i mean we should, we should also say that fulham brought in ryan babel earlier this month too mm-hmm. uh but i definitely feel like you could do a front three with mitrovic shurle and markovic yeah no i agree entirely i i just i still think that it's it's a question of mentality, and so many of the things that we talk about when it comes to football are these intangibles that are irreducible to any kind of logical argument, right? It's like, how how do you respond as a professional, as a person, you know? Because, I mean, it, it's, it's like dropping down from, uh, you know, I don't know, you're... You're moving from a Michelin star restaurant to a fast casual joint. It's a cut above McDonald's. Maybe harsh on Fulham. Again, sorry. I love you, Cottagers. I well, hope you stay up. It's like you're going from the Patriots to the Bengals. Yeah, okay. Maybe a oh – God, we – Look at the, we we've lost our other uh, yank from last season, and yeah. we're still drawing on NFL parallels. Yeah, brava, brava! You, like you your Cincinnati roots are starting yeah. to take hold. <laughs> oh yeah, Bengals suck. We all know that. Yeah. Uh, no, but 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 really though, it is like that kind of like what is it? What does it mean to be struggling to break into a potential championship and not again not championship is in the tier in England, but. Yeah. But a I potential mean, title-winning side to first name on the team sheet merely trying to avoid the drop. Like, th- that is a psychological question that we'll see borne out at yeah. Graven Cottage over the course of the next four months. That's true, but I do feel like in this case where Markovic was more or less unwanted in Liverpool, I think this will be a, a good boost for him as far as confidence go. Uh, we should also say that Fulham failed to sign Yosef Sabali despite meeting the 12 million pound release clause and the player passing a medical as Bordeaux failed to reply in time. Yeah. That sucks I, when you're in Fulham's position. Also sucks when you're in the player's position, my God. Yeah, that too. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. Was their Wi-Fi router down? I have no idea. What Do they still use faxes? I think they still use faxes, don't they? I don't know, man. I've never finalized a transfer, but, like, good God, come yeah. on. Yeah, that one sucks. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, a couple of days earlier, we had Chelsea and their whole merry-go-round here with uh, attackers. They brought in Gonzalo Higuain. <laughs> um, and then Alvaro Morata went out alone to Atletico Madrid. And then they sent Michu Bacuayi on loan to Crystal Palace today. Uh, not a great first game for Gonzalo Higuain at Chelsea. We'll talk about that later. But Bacuayi going on another loan. Uh, as his loan spell was cut short here earlier this season. And now he's going to Palace. He gets to stay in London at least. But that's a big get for Crystal Palace. Yeah, absolutely. See, that's the type of player. Like, I feel like he's good enough that that is the type of player that will keep you safe from relegation. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he's not he's not going to light the world on fire anywhere in terms of a title challenge. We've seen that. But 
yeah, no, that, it, this is a great move for Palace. Because I feel like he's a, and we should say that Crystal Palace and Fulham play each other also this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, with, I mean, Saha is suspended for this game too, so he might just get thrown in right away. I would be shocked if he didn't. Yeah, uh, it's kind of interesting actually. I mean, why do you sign players if not to play them? Uh, that's true, that's true. And yeah, because I mean, you've seen um, what's his face, Chris Benteke. He just has not caught on at Palace. <laughs> he is just not caught on at Palace. Remember when he used to score goals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I he used to score a lot did. of goals. But you put in Bachuai in the middle. You put uh, Jordan Ayu on the wing instead, and then you got a front three of Andrus Townsend, Bachuai, and Ayu. That doesn't sound too bad. No, but again, we're we're in the era of Premier League megabucks. If your front three sounds real bad in the Premier League, then you're in desperate trouble. Because again, like speaking of Fulham, like your front three doesn't sound bad, but you're just struggling to find goals in the most competitive league in the world. Yep, that's true. Uh, Newcastle, they did two signings. They brought in on. Antonio Barreca from Monaco on loan. And then they signed Miguel Almiron from Atlanta United for a record transfer fee, club record transfer fee, I should say, of 21 million pounds. Yeah, this is this is going to be um, Bellwether, Watermark, Canary in the Coal Mine, whatever metaphor you want to use. But it is already putting a line in the sand just add another one there uh it's huge it's huge from the perspective of an mls supporter right um this is this is the make or break transfer from a league's perspective again we'll like move to newcastle in a second but from the perspective of again, I have to be the uh, the avatar of the Yank on yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, that's so, right. But it was the, a record sale for the MLS too, right? Yeah, no, yes, exactly. And so from the ML, and he is he's valued lower than Joseph Martinez. Mm-hmm. So this is this is really a a move that even even fans who like myself. It's a Portland fan defeated by Atlanta United in the final this season. Cheered against him, will be wanting him to succeed for the sake of the league. You know, and I was having a conversation earlier today with casual Premier League fans. It's like, yeah, you know, the MLS is on. Yeah, I'm gonna watch Netflix, and that's that's common. Like, oh yeah, well, I'm I'm you know I'm I'm a Premier League fan, but if MLS no, not even on the table. Like, no chance. Yeah. Got to watch those old episodes of The Office, you know. Yeah, but this—I mean, this is this is a sign that okay, we're starting to enter into that conversation, right? And and like clubs like Atlanta United should strive to be an Ajax, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a team that dominates its domestic league that nobody is going to pretend is going to be ever as competitive as the top leagues, but 
is competitive in and of itself and sends its best players on to the best teams in the world. Now, <laughs> is Newcastle United the best team in the world? Sorry, everybody at St. James Park. It is not the best team in the world, but, but, you know, this is this is a good sign for both these teams. I've watched him play. I think he can be a really useful player. Uh, I think that probably DeAndre Yedlin will help him settle in more quickly, even though, you know, obviously they are not... But just the fact that he has come over from MLS himself, yeah. um, I think that that's going to make a big difference. You know, we make a lot of uh, we put a lot of emphasis on one's nationality, and even though he's from Paraguay, uh, the, that kind of league to league shift. There's some parallels there. So yeah, I, I think it's a good move for Newcastle, and hopefully it will help kind of put the stamp of legitimacy on the MLS for uh, fans across the world. We'll see. You know, it's it's an uphill battle, and it's yet beginning. But Yeah, so Almiron signed a five-and-a-half-year deal and um, yeah, became the most expensive signing for Newcastle. Their previous record was £16.5 million pounds when they signed Michael Owen back in 2005. So it's been a while. Oh, Michael Owen. Oh, Michael Owen. I remember when they sold uh, one Andy Carroll. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Wolves made their uh, deal for Johnny Otto um, permanent. They paid Atletico Madrid 18 million pounds. Uh, what else do we have here of note? Peter Crouch. So, Stoke uh, bought Sam Vokes from Burnley. For seven million pounds and Peter Crouch, so uh, Peter Crouch going to Burnley. I, it's thirty-eight years young. He trade a mediocre, barrel-chested striker for a mediocre, older giraffe-legged striker. I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, pretty Peter Crouch. He's got. Uh, let's see here. So he's scored for six different clubs in Premier League. Only Craig Bellamy has scored for more. He scored. Oh, for Craig seven, Bellamy. Seven. <laughs> so uh, Crouch want to get that record, and he says he wants to play until he's forty. So uh, we'll see. Him. We'll see if he can do something coming off the bench for Burnley, because I highly doubt that he's going to start games. No, of course not. He's I mean he's a he's a target man. He's a can he been be worse than Fellaini? Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I, mean, Fel- I, I got to ask the tough questions. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. We should say that Maron Fellaini looks to be on his way out. Um everything points to him securing a move to China. And good for him. Good for United. So Floppy Fro got to get paid, son. Yep. That's I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, totally okay with that. Uh, we should also say that Leicester signed Yuri Tillemans on loan from Monaco and sent Adrian Silva on loan to Monaco. Um, Tillemans, um, you know, exciting young player. I think that could be a good piece of business for for Leicester. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that I mean they're. 
they are themselves at this point in the season somewhat in need of a kickstart, right? Uh, I think that they well, and again, we'll we'll get into the results a little more, but uh, but like despite their draw against the champions yesterday, champions. Ooh, boy, look at me! I'm gonna have to knock on wood for all the red supporters. The league leaders, uh, top of the table, Liverpool. Previously, they'd struggled, right? Got knocked out of the FA Cup by Newport. Yeah. Um, defeat to Southampton. Defeat to Wolves in a seven-goal thriller. Uh, and so even though, yeah, a point at Anfield against the champion. Oh, God, I keep using that word. Uh, sorry for all of you Reds fans now that I've cursed you. Yeah, jinx and it, jinx You're, you're jinx welcome it. to all of you uh, Evertonian and... Uh, United supporters. But anyways, yeah, on the face of it, it's good. But still, they are now three games in the league without a win and four games on the trot without a win. So an injection of quality will be exactly what they need, especially because they are looking down the barrel at Manchester United, an informed Manchester United, again, despite recent results, but overall momentum, and then a traveling to Wembley against Tottenham after that in the Premier League. So yeah, they needed ever, all the help they can get. Yep. So Tillman's we could, we should say that he was part of Belgium's uh, 2018 World Cup squad and he has represented his country on 19 occasions. 21 years old. So that's a lot of caps for a 19, for a 21 year old. Belgian, uh, yeah. Yeah, squad that that deep. Absolutely. Okay, let's move over to match week 25. And uh, interesting game right off the bat on Saturday morning, 7.30 a.m. kickoff Eastern between Spurs and Newcastle. Like we said, Spurs didn't make any signings. Newcastle did a couple. But two teams that are pretty far off in the table. Uh, Spurs sitting in uh, third after their win over Watford uh, last week. Newcastle up to 14th place after beating Manchester City 2-1. to one. Up to 14. What the um, hell happened there? Yeah. Everything was going super smoothly. Sergio Aguero scored after like 24 seconds. But then <laughs> in the second half, it, oh, it did it switch around. Solomon Rondon tied things up in the 66th minute and Matt Richie scored from the penalty spot in the 80th minute to give Newcastle the win. Uh, yeah, all the talk about it. Rafa Benitez, the uh, sleeper cell for Liverpool. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you could. This was a phenomenal finish to the game, too. You had City pressing on, Newcastle just clinging on for dear life, basically. And the fans, oh my God, did this mean a lot to them? Oof. Yeah, no. That was. And honestly, I have to say. That I, I've been frustrated by Newcastle, infuriated by Newcastle from a personal bias perspective. But as a neutral, you've got to love that. You know, they, ha- they haven't enjoyed a ton of success in recent years. They're, they're never going to be a Liverpool, a United, even an Arsenal. But they're a club with history. And the like the the fans at St James Park have held banners about 
the establishment and the board and the ownership more than they've held about the players in the last few years. So all credit to them. So happy for them. I, I, I'm glad that they were able to raise some points after that. Now, that said, stalwart as they were in defense against the hammering of the reigning champions in the last few minutes of that match at St. James, I expect Tottenham to blow the doors off him. I mean, we'll see. Hard-fought win for Spurs against Watford. Uh, they were down after the first half, but then late. Uh, Son Heung-min scored in the 80th minute, and Fernando Llorente in the 87th minute. So, Fernando actually did something good for once. Shocker. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's that was his first goal in the league this season. Yeah. Great sign. So he's already, you know, met up his total from last season. <laughs> so good on him. Oh, lordy. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's still a quality player. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But, but like I say, I think that even though Tottenham are without a proper home ground, even though Newcastle are coming off an epic win, I honestly – I think that those last – like that last ditch win is going to be a lot more wind in Tottenham sails as opposed to the kind of like breathe a sigh of relief after you've been defending against, again, you know, the defending champions in Manchester City, like such a phenomenal attacking side. So I will be really surprised if Newcastle get anything from this game. Yeah. Yeah. We should say that Harry Kane is, Back doing some light training, so we'll see how long it takes before he's back on the pitch. Uh, but we'll, yeah, we'll see if Newcastle can pull out another miracle here. Um, then 10 a.m. games we have Brighton at home to Watford, Burnley at home to Southampton. Both those games are on NBC Sports Gold. Then we got Chelsea against Huddersfield. Chelsea got snubbed on the nose. In their last game, lost four nothing on the road against Bournemouth. I mean, Hutter, I mean they're playing Huddersfield. Come on, but still, you need a reaction here because that was embarrassing. Okay, but let's rewind the clock a little more and say, okay, what if in their previous game they had lost four nil to Arsenal? You say, okay, well, it's Arsenal. It's Arsenal, even though Arsenal is not, you know, now the Arsenal of the Bergkamp Henri. But nonetheless, if they had lost 4-0 at the Emirates, yeah. say, well, you you expect a response against Bournemouth. Against Bournemouth. No. I, I mean, this is as absurd as I thought the statements of sorry out were. And I still, I still think you need to give a manager... At, at least 18 months. Yeah, that's way too early. Yeah. But, I mean, th- this was... This was as embarrassing a defeat as I can remember Chelsea having had since they fired Mourinho. And maybe I have a short memory. You, uh, you know, please... No, no, this is... Yeah. What, this is Tell one, me that. This but, is one of their worst defeats in the Premier League. Yeah. I think they uh, had a 5-1 defeat to Liverpool. Also, so 
losing by four goals, that's really bad for them. Yeah, I mean, and obviously the fourth goal, taking Arsenal into fourth place, I was happy about that. But I, I still, from a neutral perspective, I still think Sorry has a lot to bring to this club. It's a it's a transitional time. It's difficult to say. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the, the fact is too. You know, we haven't really talked too much about this, but after the last couple of weeks here, if we look at goal differential, Chelsea sitting on forty goals scored on twenty four matches. Uh, you got United now; they're up to forty eight. Arsenal fifty, Spurs fifty. Liverpool 55, City 63. 63. So, I mean, they have a, the third best defensive record with only 23 allowed. But they got to score some more goals. I mean, and this is... But they, they I mean, really now, they have to pummel Huddersfield. Huddersfield sitting dead last. They have 11 points. They've only scored 13 goals. They've allowed 41, which isn't worse than the league. That's Fulham with 53. But still, this should be a at least a 4 nothing win. Ooh, that's a bold statement, Seb. Uh, I'm saying it should be. I'm not saying it's going to be. It should be. I would say it should be at least 2-0. Uh, maybe I'm just more conservative in that sense. You're at like, home against Huddersfield. Come on. You're at home? Yeah, but still, 2-0 is a comfortable victory. Mm. I, I I hear what you're saying, but I... And yeah, you want a response. I think that the, the point that I want to draw out from you, what you just said that I think is most important is that defensive aspect, Right. Like, this is a team that has seen Alvaro Morata fall flat on it. I mean, he's the new Diego Costa. He's the new failure from Spain. Doesn't mean he's a bad player, but, yeah, he's not, he's not great. Um, and Diego Costa scored a lot more goals. Uh, maybe, actually, a better a better comparison would be Radamel Falcao. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. But a, a player that you expected to really just be... The next, again, the next Didier Drogba wasn't still waiting on him. And. And I think he his, just retired, actually. Did Drogba? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's he's going to. Because he did feature for uh, Phoenix Rising FC. Um, yeah, he's retired now. Yeah. Shame. Okay, well, we're not going to talk about Didier Drogba. No. But do you think Higuain can be that player, though? I don't know. Honestly, I thought Murata could. Uh, So, I think Murata was more likely to than Higuain. I mean, Higuain is almost 30, right? You know, he is... Yeah, but he's been scoring goals for... Yeah, but he hasn't been scoring goals in the Premier League. A lot. He's actually 31. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't been scoring goals in the Premier League. I just, I, I don't, I think that he will score a lot of goals for Chelsea Football Club. I don't think that he is 
the answer to their striking problems. I mean, you could definitely say he had his best period um, while he was at Real Madrid a long time. Yeah, he was. No, but I think that this, this – so this is what I want to say to all of the Chelsea supporters out there who are, you know, gnashing their teeth at everything I've said so far. Uh, and that is that you've got to have faith in Sarri as building a solid defense and just needing that spark in the final third because you need that clinical finisher and I don't, I don't know how much Hazard is affected – by the fact that we all seem to know that he's leaving the summer, yeah. you know? You, but but if you can build that solid defense, take it from an Arsenal supporter who has not seen anything like a solid defense since, I don't know, maybe Gallus? I don't know. <laughs> At least Sonia. But regardless, we don't... Like, if you build from the back... Yeah, it's frustrating. Well, it's also frustrating with technological issues, but we suffer them as we live in the 21st century. <laughs> but uh, but no, it's frustrating to build a team from the back. Everybody as a supporter wants, you know, you want that number 10, you want that number 9, and we've been frustrated from a Chelsea perspective that, you know, we haven't filled those Didier Drogba shoes. And as amazing as Eden Hazard has been, not quite as amazing this season. Maybe he has one foot out the door. I don't know, but you've got, you've got to give sorry his chance. And we all know that Roman Abramovich has very deep pockets, right? And he can bring those players in. He will bring those players in one would hope from a Chelsea perspective. Uh, and so you like, like the, the defensive record that they have has to be, held up into the limelight as much as possible. And yet the flip side of that is that Roman Abramovich also has a history of firing managers uh, and being very quick on the draw on that. So, yeah, I I would hope that Sarri gets his full shout, again, from a Blues perspective. From my own biased perspective, I could give a... I couldn't care less. Yeah, bring back but, Mourinho. Yeah, oh God, yes, yes. <laughs> Mourinho it. to manage all the clubs in yep. Premier League. Third times to charm, right? Yeah, be that that would be something. But yeah, I, I do agree with you there that it's still too early to uh pass judgment on sorry. And I do think that if they do end up selling Eden Hazard this summer, that all that money is gonna go towards buying a replacement or two. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But that loss opened up things as you said, Arsenal, they moved into fourth place. They got 47 points. Chelsea, 47 points. Manchester United, 45 points. They could have had 47 points. Or, yeah, they could have had 47 points. But 2-2 draw at home against Burnley. On paper, that doesn't sound very good. Uh, and for big parts of the game, yeah, you know, there was just something lacking. But the way that they responded after going down to nothing with nine minutes left of, you know, the 90 minutes. And then we had some stoppage time. But of the original 90 minutes, that was very comforting almost in a way to see. Yeah, I mean, your comfort is another man's fury. But I, I hear what you're saying. No, I mean... <laughs> 
previous, you know, going into the game, I would be like, okay, three wins or three three points are bust, basically. With the way they've been playing, with the form during and everything, you would say, okay, Burnley at home, that's three points. But also under, I mean, again, like trying to draw that comparison, maybe we're slagging off Mourinho too much, but that's fine. He can go to hell. He's a bastard. So his United side, I would expect them to fold one nil down. And so, yeah, I mean, again, to your point that they charged back and were able to salvage a draw, I think it speaks to how Ole has taken this team and has taken this locker room. Yep. And no, it's, it's been phenomenal watching Ole Gunnar uh, coach this team. Everyone just seems happy, and we've talked about this previously, but just the whole mindset seems to be more... No, let's go forward. Let's push forward. Let's be expressive. Let's do what we're good at, and that's playing attacking football. And that's been so nice to see after the dreadful play under Mourinho, really. And it just shows, too, that that was the big problem with this team was Mourinho's system and his coaching style. So it feels good to sort of be vindicated on that front. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it took a long time. They wasted a lot of money. They wasted a lot of time. But at least they're back on the right track here. And battling back from 2 nothing down with nine, nine minutes to go, uh, you know, that, that's good. I'm still feeling positive about this. I still feel like they got a really good shot at actually nabbing that fourth spot. And... It's gonna. Hopefully, this is gonna be a real race right until the finish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I th- I think it is gonna be a top four race down to the wire. Yeah, we need that. We need that. We need more uh, title race down to the wire, which I think we're also going to get. But uh, that's another story. We might. So uh, we should say that Crystal Palace Fulham also 10 a.m. kickoff. MC Sports Gold, same for Everton against Wolves. And then 12.30 kickoff Cardiff against Bournemouth on NBC, the big NBC. Um, so I guess what... No, I mean, yeah, maybe someone will tune in for that. Uh, Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, 9.05 kickoff AM Eastern between Leicester and Manchester United. So it'll be interesting to see there what tweaks Solskjaer will do for that game and if they can bounce back with a win. But the big game, 11.30, you're pre-gaming before the Super Bowl, Manchester City against Arsenal. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I think that the the ticker tape reading of it is that Arsenal should be very happy to visit the Etihad at this moment in time, right? That's what you would argue, saying City have just come off a loss, therefore they are in poor form. One would argue, based on pure stats, uh, Arsenal coming off of a victory. Got to be glad about that. Uh, I'm, I am nervous. <laughs> Uh, and I'm nervous because we have one true central defender 
Mavra Pondos, again, coming back from injury. He was on the bench last match. Credit to him. Yep. Uh, but otherwise, we have one central defender, who is Shkodron Mustafi, who I don't trust anyways, who also was injured and like looked like he might have to go off in the last match. I expect Arsenal to get pummeled in this game. Really? But, but... But? I think it's going to be a 73-74% possession for City. You know, 15 shots, 9 on target, 2 or 3 goals. But I also expect Arsenal to score 2 or 3 goals as well. So... I I think that we're going to lose this game 4-2. That's my just that's kind of my gut instinct prediction. Uh cuz I don't have any faith in our defense. Okay. Um could now, be could be 6-1. I mean if we but, if we look at it here. So City they've suffered four defeats so far in the Premier League. Uh they lost 2 nothing against Chelsea. After that they bounced back and beat Everton at home 3-1. Then they lost two games in a row for the first time in forever. Uh, first they lost against Crystal Palace, 3-2, and then 2-1 against Leicester. Then they bounced back and beat Southampton, 3-1. Now they lost against Newcastle, 2-1. So, 3-1 City. That's where you should place your money. <laughs> Either that or that they lose 3-2, I guess. I don't know. But uh, yeah, when they bounce back, it's been three to one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, last meeting between the teams, that was a two nothing win for City at the Emirates. Yeah, very beginning of the season, match yep. day two. I'd say one. I'd say one. Yes. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. We should also say that they got a date with uh, Chelsea in the EFL Cup final, the Carabao Cup. Uh, at the end of the month here, or end of next month, depending on when. End of February. There you go. So uh, at least they might be able to get some silverware there because they got five points up to Liverpool, and you already been calling Liverpool champions. And they yeah, it's a Freudian slip, but yeah. we'll see. And they will play West Ham on the road on Monday. I I think they've got the swagger about them, Seb. I'm sorry. I know that they're uh, arch rival of United, but I think they've they they look the part. They really look the yeah, part. They they do. They really do. Although they stumble a little here against uh, Leicester, but um, no, I I would agree. It's definitely you know their title to lose here. Um, I'm just wondering. Let's see if I can pull this up real quick. So, uh, bear with me here. Fill some time, Elliot. Uh, Fill some time about talking about how Liverpool looked the part of champions, or should I spend the time instead talking about how frustrated I am with Arsenal's defense or lack of their transfer window movement? You can recite a sonnet. It really doesn't matter. Okay, here, I got it. (laughs) Never mind. Scrap the sonnet. So, Liverpool, if we take a look here at their fixture list, um, as far as tough games to go, you know, they'll play Bayern Munich in the Champions League. That's going to take its toll. Oh, yeah, Bayern Um, Munich, small club from Germany. Yeah, but they play United on the road. Uh, They play 
Everton on the road. I mean, that's Derby, but, you know, sort of tough, I guess. Then they play, They still have to play Spurs. They have to play Chelsea. And that's pretty much it. Their final four games are Cardiff, Huddersfield, Newcastle, Wolves. So, oh wow, boy! Yeah. If they need, if they need six points from that, you got to pick them as champions. Oh yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, they got a couple of tough ones, but I, I feel like it's, it's something special is going to have to happen if they're going to. They're going to slip up. Um, for, let's look at Manchester City here real quick. I mean, Arsenal, that's not a that's not a gimme. Um, then they have... Uh, got to play Chelsea. They got to play... Who else do they have to play? They got to play United on the road. Got to play Spurs. Spurs can play the spoiler role here. Yep. But, yeah, that's their last four is Spurs, Burnley, Leicester, and Brighton. I bet it's Leicester. I bet it's. I bet it is Leicester who do it. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it is. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, definitely, definitely an interesting last third here of the season left. So, yeah. Uh, with that, we're going to say goodbye for this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noren. Elliot is Keats was better, and then give one yank, one sweet a follow as well. Until next time, have a good one. Bye bye.